0: At any rate, well, let's pray together and let's uh, ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Father in heaven, through Jesus Christ our Lord and in your Holy Spirit we come. Thank you, Lord, for these brothers and sisters uh, on a very sensitive topic. Um, I recognize that. And Jesus, I pray that you would give us open hearts and open minds and to reach a population that has oftentimes felt very disenfranchised and rejected and hurt. And I pray that you would help us now as we uh, do our work. Will you help us, Holy Spirit, to take every truth the long distance from the head to the heart, and that you would change our hearts. Help us, Lord, to see through your eyes. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to have holy attentiveness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, come on in. There's, uh, I'm, I, I don't want to shut the door necessarily, but we're going to just jump right in. Our topic this morning uh, is, does God care about my sexual identity? And of course, the, uh, the short version is, uh, of course. So I could just stop and say, yeah, seriously? Thanks for coming, I really appreciate you being here. Um, so, you probably saw the bio. Uh, Don Litchie, psychologist, uh, vice president at Emerge Counseling Services in Akron, and uh, have been there for a long time, since longer than most of you have been alive, I think. Uh, it's, I started there in 85, 86, that was there all the way through the 90s, was away for about five years uh, as president of a school and came back in 06 and have been back since. I've been the vice president forever, a couple of stints as the interim president. And um, My interest in this topic of sexuality and sexual identity actually started back in the 1980s when I read an article uh, related to the personality traits uh, related to sexual identity and and gender and gender related personality traits and as a result of that interest I began to do a little bit more research and I actually wrote my doctoral dissertation. Uh, If any of you are just crazy enough to do a doctoral degree uh, one of the rules of doing a doctorate is that you have to have a very long title. In your in your dissertation, so and I usually try to get it out in one breath if I can. Um, so here's was the title of my dissertation. This was at a secular university. Um, gender-related personality traits of male ministers in relation to clergy counseling activities. That's a mouthful. Gender-related personality traits of male ministers in relation to clergy counseling activities. You say, well, what in the world was that all about? What I did is in, when you do research, you try to control for as many variables as you can so that you can do an experimental variable on the one you want to do, so you try to control. So what I did is I only had males in my sample. I had 240 ministers, actually Ohio and, uh, and, and thereabouts. I had 240 in my end size. And what I was really looking at is I was measuring what used to be called gender-related personality traits. And I wanted to be able to identify those traits, and when you could identify them, could you make predictions as to how much time they would spend in their role as a counselor. Those of you that are in pastoral work, how many hands, please? Those of you that are in pastoral work, or in associate pastoral work, or in volunteer work, or in some kind of a church leadership role, can I see your hand? So what I found, and the research has done well, is that most people will come to see you uh, as for help. Most people will come to see you for their mental health issues more than anyone else combined, more than any psychologists, social workers, counselors, uh, personnel specialists combined. Most people will still see their pastor or someone on the pastoral staff as a first source of counseling. So what I did is I went back and I tried to study what were the aspects, what were the draw, why would someone come to see a pastor for counseling, what were those personality traits. So I looked at all of the standardized tests for sexuality, sexual identity, the MMPI, the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory Second Edition, the five scale one is called the Masculine-Feminine Scale. I had to decide whether or not whether that was a good scale to measure what we would used to call sexual identity. Found out that it was not. The BEM Sex Role Inventory, I was able to show that that was not a good, sa- a good scale. And what it was is I began to really look theologically and spiritually and neurologically and psychologically at the very same issue but try to look at it from as many angles as I could. Are you still with me? Because I'm just doing the introduction as to why we're doing this topic. So the question is is that there are so many people that are confused about their sexual identity and they're confused and what happens is because they are confused then what happens is that uh, they oftentimes are misunderstood and because they're misunderstood, a lot of times they don't find that they have a place in your church. And what'll oftentimes happen, both men and women that somehow don't quite fit the mold, they will find a group that does accept them and in many cases will cross over the line into sexual behavior. So I will be I know I'm being recorded and I know that what I can't say can and will be used against me if need be but I'm really convinced that many people who have crossed over the line into a gay lifestyle are really not gay at all, but they have found that in that community, this is a community that does accept me. Now, one of the things that I want to be clear about to you is that this is not a talk about gay bashing. I'm not into that. Uh, I've worked with a number of people that have struggled with their sexual attraction and sexual identity. There's been a lot of confusion. And the last thing that that population needs is more people condemning them. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not saying that, that I'm a supporter of gay marriage, because I'm not. I believe that marriage is a, is a divine, sancti- a sanctified, a holy matrimony of a man and a woman for life. That's what God's designed. And yet, on the other hand, I'm not going to stand up here, like and, and I could do a red herring, Like some have done and just simply start gay bashing and this and that and I'm not going to do that What I am going to do is I'm going to try to give some sanity and some understanding Of what's going on in that life and in that mind Which can be a lot of confusion And then just say that we as a church As a church can do better than we've done That's probably the biggest challenge that I want you to come out of today Is that what can we do better than what we've done and, you know, when we talk about the scriptural underlines, those of you that know me will know that I try to underline everything in scripture. And by the way, if you're really insistent on this, uh, if you need a copy of these, some of you, like, graduates, my graduate students think you have to copy everything. No, you don't. If you really insist on a copy of this presentation for your personal use only, not group, not ministry, not next speaking engagement, but if you really insist on it, I, I can make that available to you. But basically, we try to do this in the Scripture. In the beginning, God—that's Genesis 1:1. God in the Dominion mandate in Genesis 1:26 through 28, He says, "Let us make them in our image. Let us make male and female in our image, and then they are to take dominion over." In Genesis chapter two, uh, it goes a little bit more into the narrative of. The man and the woman, there was the man and he named all the animals and looked around and there was no one that was suitable or fit, or as the scripture says, there was no one that approximated him. And out of that came the creation of woman. God puts him to sleep, takes out the rib that he wasn't using and creates, and he says, I can do better than that. In second version, and she creates a woman. And when Adam sees the woman for the first time, there's this exclamatory, almost sometimes used to say the ejaculatory praise, this exclamatory praise of like, wow, or it's about time, or this, this wonderful exc- exclamation of, yes, Lord. And, this one, and then the scripture says, and this is why a man leaves his father and mother. And I don't know how that theology comes out of that verse, but he says, that's why a man leaves his mother and father, is joined to his wife. They were naked, they were unashamed. So in other words, there was a leaving, a cleaving, a unity, and an intimacy. Those are four words that are good when you think about marriage. Can I just say that again? There's a leaving, cleaving, unity, And intimacy. The word intimacy is a Latin term. The word intimacy means without barriers, that there's nothing between us. Symbolically, at first, that was clothing, but it's much more than just clothing. It was the fact that there was a oneness, there was a unity in their spirit. And from this, there was this leaving, cleaving, unity, and intimacy. And then, sin comes in and begins to infect, kind of like the coronavirus, it (laughs) begins to start moving around and affects everybody for different things. The question then becomes is, you know, they say, what a topic? Sexual identity, sexuality, gender identity, same-sex attraction. And what I've given you in your downloadable handouts is the, quote, official position of the Assemblies of God. I would recommend that you look at that. Some of you may not know that you do not lose your credentials automatically if you find that you are same-sex attracted. Some of that may be a real surprise to you. Wow, what happens if I tell somebody that I'm, I'm attracted to somebody of the same sex? Will I lose my credentials? No, you won't. If you cross over the line and that becomes a behavior then that places your credentials at risk. The second one, this, the article that I've given you by a friend of mine that I asked to write on this topic, her name is Dr. Melody Palm, and Melody wrote on this topic about, uh, you, know, it, you know, basically roles in conflict, or gender roles in conflict, or identity in conflict. And she wrote, she wrote this article, it was published in the major news magazine of the Assemblies of God, and all of a sudden, she started getting all of this hate mail. In fact, she got so many letters of hate mail uh, that she, she said, Don, why in the world did you ask me to write this article? You know, what, what did I, what, how did I get on your bad side, basically? And I said, Melody, I think that what you wrote is so right on. It's absolutely biblically accurate. It's clinically uh, correct. Everything in it, and, and basic, but it talks about people that have this conflictedness in their soul and spirit about their sexual identity. Now, if you, listen, if you go to a men's conference or a marriage conference, or if you go to a a women's conference, what you're going to find out is this. That when they start to describe men, and they use the term men are, you want to just, you want to scoot back in there so you can see up there? Yeah, no worries. Just take your time. We're all good. You're amongst friends. And and in most cases, what's going to happen is that you will actually be right in your descriptors about 80% of the time. Can I I have your eyeballs a minute? You're going to be right when you say men are and you have all these descriptors. And you say women are and you have all these descriptors. You're going to be right about 80% of the time. However... You're going to be wrong about 20% of the time, 100% of the time. good. And so, and I, you know, and I'm not bashing Emerson's work. I mean, he's studied under John Gottman. He's, he knows what he's doing. He Christianized the, what he learned from Gottman, the Gottman Institute, and he writes this book Love and Respect, and he gets it out of Ephesians, you know, Love and Respect. He says men want to be respected and women want to be loved. Does anyone have any problem with that? Do you know any women who want to be respected? And do you know any men who want to be loved? But what will happen is if you don't think that through, what you may think is, well, women need to be loved and men need to be respected, and miss the 20% of women who are saying, wait a second, love me all you want. I want respect. And men that say, look, Respect me all you want. I want to be loved and then you get some clever books kind of like you know this one, you know men are like Waffles and women are like spaghetti Okay, that'll sell well. I mean they'll be make the best sellers list and uh, It's cute and it's got this catchy title and you know men are from Mars and women are from Venus all that's a uh, You know those are all catchy titles and for the most part they work However, if you go to most conferences, say for men, you're going to be looking around the room and about 20% of those guys are going to be in there thinking, I'm not so sure that they're talking to me. And a lot of times, listen, this is my main point, a lot of times because they don't always fit that mold, they're sometimes led to believe that their sexual identity is called into question. And if they do not find a place in our churches to express who they are in a good and godly and right way in their personality, what's going to happen is they will find a group that does accept them and oftentimes it's going to lead to some bad outcomes. Just want you to think about some of this. My main thing is that I want you to think about this. So you think about these typical uh, traits that you have, right? Men are what? Men are, well, just saying. Come on out loud, real quick. We're amongst friends. Men are the what? Thinkers. Provider, leader. Providers, leaders. Um, what else? Protectors. Protectors. Strong. Um, someone, I've heard a conference. You know, men are blue. <laughs> Reminds me of... Uh, and <clears throat> I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to go okay with my voice here. I've been on eight plane flights in the last five weeks and it's like... and I've got this congestion stuff and I'm... Some of you know me, I'm on, I'm on a low dose of chemotherapy and my immune system is low, so whatever's going around, I'll probably catch. Anyways, but the bottom line is, you know, someone said, okay, you've got these two babies in the nursery and and the baby one baby looks over the other and says so what are you a boy or a girl he says oh i don't know I've, i i got to check so they lift up the cover and he says i'm a boy so how do you know blue booties <laughs> in addition to the thing that you know, you know cause, and that that whole identification thing starts really early i mean it starts even now because of the gender reveal think about that gender reveal so gender in in our culture means Gender traits gender personality because you are this then you must be all of these other things Add on all of these things and then the same thing and yet there may be some exceptions Yes, or yes? Yeah. Yeah. So you look at this guy on the left some of you remember him, you know, the uh, duke and, uh, and, and and then you look at the guy on the right And I will say to you that both of these guys are what we would call grade A all-American men. But would you say they're the same in their personality traits? Absolutely not. Okay, let me give you a couple. And of course, men don't what? I mean, men don't cry. So what about these traits for women? Women are what? Women are the feelers, pink, um, emotional, soft nurturers. You see, I, I began to start questioning some of this back in the 80s. Like I said before, I think a lot of you were even born. And I began to think, alright, well, some of this doesn't seem to fit quite right. And I began to question, and I began to then look at some examples of these two great A all-American women. This woman on the left is a West Point graduate. She was the first female to successfully make it through Army Ranger School. And of course, the woman on the right is Scarlett O'Hare from Gone with the Wind, right? Oh, Brett, can you just please put your coat down? I don't want to get my feet dirty, you know. And it's like, oh man, you know. And yet, you say that, would you say that these are both women, yes but would you say they're the same? So if you start using these descriptors, you understand what I'm saying, you'll be right about 80% of the time. But about 20% of the time, you're gonna be wrong 100% of the time. And that is what is leading, in my opinion, as a professional in my clinical experience, I mean, I've been doing this for over 35 years, 41,000 hours of clinical work, Doug Clay has asked me to head up this committee on the mental health for, for AG ministers, 38,000 uh, credential holders. I've got the responsibility on my shoulder for your mental health. I mean, seriously, come on. <laughs> and now I'm, I'm trying to say, all right, well, you know, there's no, no, no pressure, right? And yet, you, there's the issue of, of saying, and, and you know, the, this typical thing that we say about women What goes on, and I don't want to cause you to go into cardiac arrest when you look at the normal bell shaped curve, but oftentimes we say these are women, and over here these are men. And there's no accounting for differences within gender. That's why when I did my study 30 years ago, I began to look at just men and I really narrowed it down and I only looked at male ministers and I began to look at the differences within gender, within sex, so I, I only males and only male ministers, and I began to see that there were significant differences within gender in terms of personality traits, and it was much more what we call a bimodal, dif- you don't need to remember that, it's a, called a bimodal uh, distribution where you have basically women here, men here, and you say if you only look at the mean here, would you be able to see differences? Yes, and in most cases, What's going to happen is you'll go into some research study and they'll say, okay, we're going to look at gender differences. Okay, well, you got, okay, men do this and women do that. Will you find differences? Yes, and you'll get published. But what happens is that you end up missing this group right in here. And it's this group right here that we are losing in the church. These are men who are grade A all-American men that don't fit the mold. These are women who are grade A all-American women that don't fit the mold. And what happens is I'm trying to get this word out. I've done this at AG headquarters. I've get the word out. I'm trying to and I'm saying that there and I had to find an instrument. I had to find a psychologically, metrically appropriate instrument to actually measure gender related personality traits that got away from penises and vaginas. Okay, there I said it on the recording. Uh, In other words, I had to get away from, from words that said male, quote, always masculine, female, always, quote, feminine, because those terms can be very, very confusing. I mean, listen, they can be really confusing. Because if you start to get confused, what I found that there are actually... And it, There's an actually an, an instrument that I found that was psychologically, metrically appropriate. It was called the Extended Personal Attributes Questionnaire. You don't need to remember that. But I've given you on your first sheet of your handouts the qualities that were found in two terms that get away from just strictly gender and, and I really began to look at personality. Are you staying with me? Yeah. Am I going too slow? How are we doing? I found out that there was a whole group of people. That is there another set of the handouts here, right here? Here we go, right there. There you go. Is there another yeah. One? Yeah. There's a whole bunch of them up here. That's good. So we're good. So what I found is that that really these these terms are actually more accurate in that if, Leanne, if I was going back and doing doctoral work all over again, I would go back and look at every study that has looked at just males and females and I would actually give them this test and I'd say which ones are more instrumental agentic and which ones are more affiliative communal and I would actually have much better research. I could, I could spend my whole career going back through every single study that's looked at the differences of men and women but have mean differences and actually count for more of the variance based on personality. That may not make one bit of sense to you, what I just said. Just trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, uh, the reason I'm asking you to hear this is because there's a lot of kids in your church that are really confused. Yep. Yeah. And there's a lot of kids in your church that are being led to believe that because they think a certain way, feel a certain way, they have certain kinds of activities and interests that they're in that they must be gay. We're losing a lot of those kids. Yes. Here are some traits. I want, I, I want to slow it down real quick. I mean, I've got to about 25 minutes to go. Think about these traits right here. You've you got them in your handouts, right? You guys know that I think handouts are biblical. I, mean, I think about Moses, for example, going up on the mountain, conversation with God, coming down, handouts. So think about this. Uh, the, the first one is called agentic-instrumental, right? you say instrumental-agentic? You don't notice the word penis or vagina. It's just called instrumental-agentic. What does agentic mean? Agency, it means you get things done. You, you get things done. You're the kind of a person that, that can take the ball and run it down the field. You're the person that can be given some responsibility and through your agency, you get it done. That's called instrumentality and agency. So what are the traits of somebody who is high on instrumentality and, age and agentic traits? Okay, here they are. You ready? Independent, active, competitive, decisive, never gives up, self-confident, stands up under pressure. Let me ask you a quick question. This is, a, this is an easy part of the exam. Do you know any men who are independent? Just yes or no? Yes. yes. Do you know any women? Yes. Men who are active? Yes. Women? Yes. Uh, competitive, yes. decisive, yes. never give up, yes. self confident, yes. stand up under pressure. Yes. Do you know that many women who are like this are called, starts with a B? <laughs> Rhymes with my last name, Litchie. <laughs> And women, and, but guys who, are, who have these traits are celebrated and say, you're going to be the next lead pastor. Right, yeah. are, you, are you hanging with me? Okay. All right, now, take a look at these traits here. Let's take a look at these other set of traits that I, that I looked at in my study. These are called, so this one is called instrumental agentic, yes? These are called expressive communal affiliative affiliation alright so and you, and you have the whole list there on your notes you're tracking with me yeah. alright I'm just making sure alright so here are, the, here are the words these are the positive traits of this part of the psychological test by the way all the reliability all the validity this is not this is not pulled out of the air this is actually a measurable test that you can actually give and take it and find out where you are relatively speaking on this alright so emotional devotes gentle Helpful to others, kind, aware of feelings of others. We call it now SQ or EQ, right? Uh, understanding of others, warm. Do you know any women who are emotional? Men? Yes. Men? Yes. Devoted to, uh, to serve other people? Yes. Do you know any women who are like that? Do yes. you know any men who are like that? Yes. How about gentle? Yes. How about men? Yes. Helpful? Yes. Kind? Yes, yes and yes. yes? Aware of the feelings of others? Yes. Okay, let me go back here. And did you guys see the newest movie out by, with Tom in it? I was hoping he was going to win an Academy Award for his, his performance in there. It was phenomenal. All right, so let me just go up here. I want to show this to you. All right, so here we are. So here's the issue. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to drive this home. And if you'll hear what I'm going to say in the next three minutes, it's going to change your life. That's how important this is. What about Jesus? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know that the scripture says that when his friend Lazarus was sick and dying and that he had died and they said, you know, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. But when he was going there, he did what? I'm sorry. Let me say it one more time. He wept. He didn't grunt. He wept. Uh, The scripture says that a bruised reed he would not break off and a smoldering wick he would not snuff. You know what a bruised reed is? A bruised reed is it's a a reed that has been torn up by life. The storms of life have come. It has bent over. It has experienced toughness hardness things have happened and this reed is just bent over and it's just about ready to break off and the scripture says that Jesus was so tender that a bruised reed he would not snap off do you know what a smoldering wick is a smoldering wick is like it's the life is just about gone out of it I mean, it's about done. It's about, it's on its very last gasp, and the scripture says that Jesus was so gentle that he would not snuff out even a smoldering wick. I wonder how many bruised reeds and smoldering wicks you've got in your church today. And I'm going to tell you what they need is they don't need someone coming in and bashing him with a sledgehammer. They need someone that's going to come in and embrace them and love them and listen to them and bring them along and bring that life back and kind of take that bruised reed and put it back together. About eight years ago, I, Leanne, some of you know the story, I, I experienced, I, my, my spine fell apart and I went to the hospital and they did a biopsy and they said, oh Don, I'm sorry to tell you, your life is about to change you have something called multiple myeloma. It's a cancer of the blood plasma. It eats away at your spine, or it eats away at your bones. Turns out my spine was full of holes. My hip was full of holes. My L5 just disintegrated, fell down into my sciatic nerve. I was off my feet. I could not walk for over eight months. I didn't know if I'd ever walk again. I said, what's the prognosis? Number one, I'd never heard of multiple myeloma. Number two, I said, what's the prognosis? They said, usually three to five years at the best. You know, we're working on treatments, but that's about what you've got to look at. Well, that changes your life. They went in and they did surgery on my L5. They put it back together. They put a balloon in there. They built the bone back up. They put plastic cement around it called kyphoplasty. And the doctor said to me afterwards, he said, You know, Don, your bones may break. There may be other bones in your, bo- in your body that break. But this bone that in your body that was once your weakest bone has now become the strongest bone in your body. It will never break. Isn't that interesting? That we need people like you that are going to set the bones, that are going to come alongside. You're going to fix the nets. You're going to, as Galatians says, that you're going to help mend the broken. And he needs people like you to do that. And he calls you to do that. That's a large part of your pastoral work. What about Jesus? Well, a bruised reed and a smoldering wick he would not snuff out. And, you know, some of you have read uh, C.S. Lewis's Four Loves, and, and you were mostly familiar with eros and agape and philia, but many times we don't know storge. Storge, storge, is the, is the word, and it's, a, it's the kind of love that you have naturally as your family the eros is that sexual um, erotic kind of love that you know the orgasmic the wonderful pleasurable sexual part of us that that agape love is the kind of love that just cares for other people uh, that that maybe not related to you but you just have that genuine care for others that philia or phileo from which we get the word philadelphia phileo is the kind of love that is like the friendship love what happens, a lot of times, the people that are struggling with their sexual identity have misplaced this philia and has gone to eros, and I, that's why I'm convinced that many people who have not had that close, personal, intimate, obviously non-sexual friend in their life, same-sex friend, that friend who is like them in their personalities, listen, I'm aware of our time. but So I actually want to give you a psychological test. Do you mind if I do that? Are you sticking with me? Yeah. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. So when we talk about sexual identity, there's a lot of terms. You talk about identity, behavior, sexual attraction, uh, and, and there's a lot of ways that sin has affected this human race in so many different ways. So when I began to think about doing this, uh, I was walking through an airport one time, and I was getting ready to do this talk. And I saw this National Geographic, and I'll, I'll turn this on real quick so you can see it. Okay, get ready. Ah, the lights. So, the National Geographic was gender and revolution. And on the cover, you have this picture, which is kind of interesting. I can just pass it around. And, and then, of course, it's kind of like, okay, you've got to try, it. is this a really a boy or a girl, or not sure. And you got that, and then I walked through the airport and I also saw this one at the same time, which was the sexual brain. What really goes on in there. Uh, And there's an article on how gay are you, young and transgender, and on and on. You know, of course, surprising keys to orgasm and on and on. So anyways, this is the Scientific uh, American Mind magazine. Okay, I wanna keep going with the topic because this can get very confusing so when you think about this, I want to ask you this question. Does God care about my sexual identity? And the question is, the answer is yes, of course. But there are differences amongst us. That's one of the key things I want you to walk out of this room with in 20 minutes is that there are differences amongst us, and those, all of those differences can be sanctified, used by uh, 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 the Holy Spirit, and to glorify God. That's what I want you to get to. Okay, page two. You ready for the psychological test? All right, so I know I'm going a little bit slow, but I've got to get rolling on this. (coughs) There are six, listen, there are six major personality types for normal people. Can you eyeball me for a minute? Now, you can take all different kinds of tests and the Enneagram and this, that, blah, 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 blah. This one is actually a real scientific test and and the, the there are six major personality types for normal people and i've listed them there let me just go tell you what they are and then i'm going to describe them and then i'm going to tell you what that that everything everything we do everything we do everything we do tells something about us the books you read tells something about you the friendships that you have tell something about you the clothes that you wear the stores you shop in the Uh, the interest that you have for your hobbies. Everything tells something about you. If you're gonna have an addiction, you can actually, if you understand what I'm gonna teach you here, you can actually uh, say, okay, this is a kind of an addiction that is at risk for me because of my personality. Uh, People that go into the mission field, you know that people choose their mission agencies largely based on their personality. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everything tells something about you. You with me? Okay. Alright, so the first one that you'll notice in the upper left hand corner is called the realistic type. The realistic type of person, male or female, is the kind of person that likes to work with their hands or they like large muscle kinds of activities. They're typically known for their common sense, sports, athletics, they can fix things, they like cutting, they like tools, and that can be male or female. And oftentimes, however, if you're female and you are highly realistic, sometimes your sexual identity is called into question. Stay with me on this. Uh, Oftentimes, they're not real verbal. They tend to express themselves through the things that they do. Did I say everything tells something about us? Even the clothes that you wear. The realistic's like wearing plaid shirts, for example. Ball caps. Everything Tell some, some of you think, oh, Don's a psychologist, he's got me figured out. <laughs> Listen, I had you all figured out within the first three minutes, But so don't worry about it. Whether you have a beard, I mean, anyway. So you understand that, that this is the realistic type. This realistic type likes large muscle kinds of activities. And uh, mechanical things. <coughs> this guy loves glow plugs. Do you, do you know what a glow plug is? Some of you do. A glow plug, it's on a diesel engine. It's the kind of thing that that starts, you get the glow plug going, it starts the diesel up and this guy is as happy as a clam because he gets to get his fingers dirty and he loves to do I mean look at the look on his face. I mean it's amazing. But there is also a certain group of women who like doing this. I just saw one yesterday at the office and she is, you know, she's drop-dead gorgeous. She's beautiful. And yet, she grew up on a farm. She had to learn how to do everything on the farm. She knows how to fix things. I said, What'd you do last weekend? Well, we tore out the bathroom. I put in the new sink, the new flooring, the plumbing, the electrical work, and then I went and got my nails done. It's like, How do you do that? That's, I say, What a woman, woman, you know? You get the idea of what I'm saying? And you notice the plaid shirt. There's right there. If you're not that, by the way, everything we do tells something about it. the profession that you've chosen has something to do with your personality, the realistic. If you're not the realistic, take a look at the investigative. The investigative are people who like science, learning, technical. They like investigating. They like figuring out why they ask that. They're very curious. Oftentimes, they don't have a lot of friends, but they have a few friends that go very deep If you have a realistic, oh, by the way, on this, just so you know, we tend to be most similar to the one that's next to us. So you have the realistics that typically have a little bit of an overlay on the investigative and the realistic, if you go to the left, has a little bit of an overlay on the conventional. We'll get to that in a second. But if you have a realistic and an investigative combination, you get an engineer. It's very predictable, by the way. And by the way, this test here, that what, you're, what you've got here is the same test that's used for the armed services of the United States military. Everybody that goes into the military takes this test, and you get to do it for free. It's called the Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery, the ASVAB. And when they take this test, they say, okay, what are you high in? Your two or three areas that you're high in? And they track you into your job because the idea for this is that you will tend to go into a role or into position for your work that is most in line with your personality. Is that interesting or not? Yes. To me, it's interesting. Okay, so the investigative type. These are the people that like technology. I mean, think, Let's look, look. look in this guy's face. He's, he's, at a, he's at an Apple camp and he's got his little protege, you know? This guy could not be happier. I mean, he's got the latest, greatest, fastest. I mean, this guy knows. This is the guy you want doing your technical stuff, by the way. And if you look, by the way, if you're looking at your staff at your church or your volunteers, make sure that you think about this after today you're going to have to have some realistics. These are the people that are going to clean the building, make the building, do your electrical, do the plumbing, lay the floors, do the construction. These are the people that are going to be very practical. Now, don't expect them to have long, deep, sensitive conversations. They'll say, just show me where the tools are, you know, and I'll do it. The investigators, like, these are the people that get into the... into the the technical thing. In language school, if you're a missionary, these are the people that everyone hates because they pick up the languages so fast, or they're into science. They, They love figuring things out. They ask the question, why? Now, if you're not that, then you may be the artistic. By the way, the arrangement on this is very scientific. Through correlational research, we tend to have the high correlation. In other words, we're most like the one that is next to us, and we tend to be most different from the one that is opposite of us. So the realistic, most different from the social. The investigative, most different from the enterprising. The artistic, most different from the conventional. You sticking with me? I know I'm going a little bit slow, but I've, I've got to get this done before 20 after. The artistic kind of a person, if they are extroverted, will tend to be in front of people and they like doing drama, worship team leading. These are the people that are you know, involved in the drama of, of your church. People that are more artistic and introverted will tend to be those that are really good with your graphic designs. These are people that can just see it differently than everyone else. That's why they're called artistic. But remember I said, everybody, everything about us tells something about us. And you've got a, k- a bunch of kids in your youth group that come to your youth group that look like this. And you say, well, I mean, my goodness, I mean, you've got to get rid of that ring if you're going to be in our youth group. Or you've got to get rid of that. You understand what I'm saying? And I can tell you that sometimes this particular group for males High at risk for gender identity confusion. Starting to fall into place a little bit, right? If they don't have a place in your place, they're going to find a place that's going to give them a place. It may stretch you a little bit. These are the creative people, and these are the people that this is the kid that you know, doesn't play the sports for necessarily at his school, but my goodness, he's into the drama, and he's into the music, and he's into the band, and he's into uh, his instrumental kinds of things. And a lot of times, and I've got articles that I could share with you on this, because they're like this, this. oftentimes, oh, you must be what? What's the word? You must be gay. Yeah. Well, how about, how about I'm really creative? Alright. Yeah, I hope I'm speaking to you. I'm coming in. I'm coming on the landing pretty soon. So let's. Uh, did I say everything tells something about? Do you know the kinds of stores that you like to shop in? Tell something about your personality. Realistics will go to what kind of store? Well, they may go to Walmart, but what's part of Walmart? Yeah, Home Depot, and Lowe's, and Dick's Sporting Goods, and they love that place. I've got a son who was like this, could have been this picture here, my middle son, I call him the artist son. And what happens is that one time, because I'm so brilliant, I said, Adam, I'm gonna give you the life experience. So I took Adam, my artist son, to a hardware store. You just gotta put it together. I take my artist son, who's got all the paraphernalia, I take him to a hardware store And I said, Adam, we're going to go in here just to to smell the tools. (laughs) Dad, that is the stupidest thing you've ever done. Don't ever do that to me again. That was my son's reaction to that in a sanctified sort of way. The social type are people who are heavily weighted in ministry and counseling and caring and services and you go back to some of those traits, those expressive, communal, affiliative traits. The, the people that are sensitive to feelings, they're aware of what's going on. Someone who's really high in this per, part of their personality will walk into a room and within five minutes they're engaged, they know who's hurting, who's on top, who's down, who's having a bad day. These are, and by the way, these traits start showing up as early as eight years old. That's why a lot of kids are being led to think that they're gender confused when they're that age, and then if you get the wrong type of therapist, the wrong type of a person, well, gee, you must, know. And like, no, how about just understanding differences of personality? These are kids that care about other kids. These are you that care about other people. These are people that have friendships, that value friendships, that... That know how to keep uh, uh, loyalty and, and friendships and confidentiality, that care about other people. If this gets too noisy, I'm just gonna, we'll just shut the door out there. What's the introvert's uh, extrovert on social? On the social, the, the introvert will probably be someone that's really big on the social media. Or like they'll, I've, I've seen radio announcers that do this, that they don't really talk much this way, but they can talk really well. When they don't have to have some of that, they can still maintain their introversion. Someone that's an introverted social could be a real miserable person because they're like, I really want to have relationships, I'm just awkward, I just don't know how to do it. Of course, the extroverted, they go to the, you know, what store does the social go? They go to the mall. You guys still have malls? They go to the store. They go to the food court. They find somebody they know. They sit down three hours later after coffee, 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 coffee. Why did I come here to the store in the first place? They, they I mean, the realistic is, boom, I'm there. I get it. I'm out. The, the, the investigative, I go to the Apple store. I get my latest upgrade. I'm out. The artistic, I go to, I don't know. The, which one? Guitars. Yeah, the guitar store. They go to the music store. They go to the art store. The social gets to the food court and they find somebody they know. I mean, they're big on social media. They they like the social part of them. And uh, and then the the enterprising, you'll notice, is is similar to the social except for one thing. The social likes working with people when they can help them. The enterprising likes to work with people when they can lead them. They tend to rise into positions of leadership. I don't care if it's 330, 300, or 3,000. A true enterprising person will always rise to a place of leadership. And this like I said, this starts usually in third grade. There's reasons for that development. We don't have time to get into why that is. They're the ones that the other kids in the class say, hey, why don't you ask the teacher if we can have extra recess? They become the captain of, the head of, the the president of. In other words, they become the leader of. They become the lead pastors of. They like working with people when they can lead, teach, sell, influence, in other words, and motivate and train. These are the people that like people, but they, they get people to do something different from where they're at. The social is like, I accept you where you're at, unless you have an engagement. The, lead, the enterprising takes you to a different place. These are people that you can always tell who the enterprising person is in that picture. It's the one that's telling everyone else what to do. Could be males or females. This, I love this, uh, this slide here. and that I'll camp on this for about three seconds. I really want every little girl, who's been told that she's bossy to be told instead that she has leadership skills. Do you realize how liberating this can be for a lot of girls yeah. that are in your church that, that show natural signs of leadership that somehow in our, sometimes in our nosology within our church is like, oh, you're a female. And it's like, yeah, you can just go so high, but not quite, you know, because you don't have one of those things, yeah. the things you're thinking about. <laughs> and then the conventional. Are you with me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm, uh, in, if we have time, I, I'm going to take six more minutes since we started. <laughs> the conventional likes order, sameness, structure they go to bed at night reading standard operating procedure (laughs) manuals. They're the people that have Tupperware that's all labeled oatmeal, brown sugar, white sugar, These are the people that color code, their their closets are organized, their their sock drawers, their underwear drawers, everything is folded the same way. In other words, these these are people that end up being really good with finance and accuracy. These are the kids that you really, these are the people, these are the men and women that you want doing the books, not the artists. There was a company several years ago called Enron that they, they got into something <laughs> called, called creative accounting. You know where they are now? <laughs> Jail. <laughs> you know, you want the conventionals doing this. That's what you want. Now, here's the question. Who's going to be my friend? Here, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it twice because I want to say it for, and then you can listen to the recording so I can say it again. Have Find yourself a friend. Find a friend who is like you. Best if you find a same-sex friend who is similar to you in your personality. The scripture uses the term "iron that sharpens iron," a friend who sticks closer than a brother, the threefold strand that doesn't break. You understand what I'm saying? Look at look at my. Can I just? I need your eyeballs up here. Get a friend, or you will have a moral failure. Now I'm trying to see if I can be any more clear than that. Get a friend. 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 friend. What kind of a friend? The kind of a friend is going to be a David and a Jonathan friend. It's going to be the kind of a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I know someone's going to be saying this question, well, can my wife or can my husband be my best friend? No, is the answer. They can be a certain kind of a friend, they can be your eros friend, but you need a philia friend because if you have a good philia friend, the chances are you're not going to be dumb about your eros. All right, listen, pay me now or pay me later, but this is it. So who am I going to marry? Well, typically, we're going to marry someone who's what? Very like us or very, yeah almost like opposites. You say, why does an artistic marry a conventional? Well, the artistic marries the conventional because they're stable. Why does the conventional marry an artist? Because they're fun. Well, see, you typically will marry someone who's different from you And then, as soon as you get married, you forget that's why you got married to them. And then it keeps people like me very much in business. (laughs) Oh, Dr. Litchie, my spouse doesn't get me. They don't understand. And if you're going... Listen, and I I just don't have the time. If you're going to have an affair, typically what you're going to do is have an affair with someone of the opposite sex who is similar to you in your personality. That's why I say find a philia friend who is like you, same-sex, close, personal, intimate... Obviously, non-sexual relationship. All right, this is where we got to stop. I, I have this whole letter I was going to read to you from a friend that I've worked with, that's been mentoring, that struggled with sexual identity. I said, "What is life like for you?" He put, it, he wrote it in a letter. I just don't have time to read it. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm got it. Oh, I understand that. Palm, P-A-L-M. You have the article in your handouts that are downloadable. Yeah. All right, so here's what I want you to say. Look. In the church, I'm asking you to just think a little bit about what we've said. We can do a lot better. Of those six types, realistic, investigative, artistic, social, enterprising, conventional, there's got to be a place for them in our church. And if we do, and if you will help yourself get a friend, I can tell you we're going to solve a lot of problems with gender identity. And we as a church can do a whole lot better than what we've done. In Jesus' name. Hey, God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Bye now.